Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Welcome to the podcast. We are aboard the Mighty Sparrow, all stripped down, ready for whatever the season shall throw at this old girl while she's up on stands. It's been interesting, for sure, and I've forgotten how fast and you know efficient you can be taking a boat and packing it down as opposed to setting it up and getting it ready for the ocean. Huge, huge difference there, but that's the sort of stuff we're going to get into, plus we're going to talk about stress. I don't know, stress just, it's eating away at me these days and I don't know why, but before we start the show, like I always say, if you want to support this podcast and keep it going... Oh, and help, and not only support the podcast, but support future adventures. Follow the link, become a patron, like so many people. We had a new member who came in today or yesterday. It's awesome to have new people sign back up and everything, so very, very cool. we get got the merch line out there, link in the description as well. Obviously, the book and the audio book are available on Amazon and on Audible. And then last but not least, if you want to reach out to the show... SailingIntoOblivion.com, the podcast link, and uh, contact the show. That goes directly to me. And actually, I want to start out with that first, because I received the sort of email today, or maybe it was last night, that makes this absolutely well, well worth the time and the effort that goes into trying to put out one or two shows every single week. Uh, over the last many, 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 many months. And without naming any names, I just want to sort of go over the gist of this. Essentially, uh, it's a person who was over in Ireland and sort of became a listener of this program. And I guess my sort of devotion to the West Sale 32 and my love of Old Mighty Sparrow somehow became a little bit infectious, and when this person had a chance to pick up a West Sale 32, they took it and they grabbed it. Um, they've got a 1967. I'm not going to even name the name of the boat. Just, uh, you know, a little anonymity goes a long way. But let's just say it's absolutely stunning. Uh, they picked it up over in Ireland, and then I think they sailed it with a couple of friends uh, back over to England. Got into some, you know, ugly weather out there, but the boat, you know, obviously it's a west sail, so it can handle quite a bit. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And, yeah, essentially the plan is to kind of learn the ins and outs, become a little more confident in it, and then sail it uh, back to either the States or the Caribbean, so across the pond, which would be pretty cool. Uh, I'm... You know, you never know. You never know what the future holds. Sometimes the best laid plans fall flat, and then other times opportunities sort of seemingly come out of nowhere. But I've been leaning, just leaning gently towards heading down to the Caribbean this winter if I can 
save up enough quiche uh, from the summer and then from the fall podcast slash speaking tour and which is still in the works. Uh, I'm I'm just about there with polishing up this presentation. Just want to give it once. Make sure it's actually pretty viable. I think it's going to be. I'm like 99% sure. And then as soon as that happens, I reach out to all the places I've ever spoken to before, try and schedule things for September, October, possibly into November, and then ideally just hit the road. Become a road warrior once more. It's actually kind of fun. I'm looking forward to this upcoming little journey that I'm on, uh, but I digress. I'll get into that in a little bit. But I just want to wish this person the best of luck. She has, uh, she's got herself a great looking boat. I mean, it looks phenomenal. Beautiful paint job. Looks pretty solid. I think it's see down below. Hopefully, she'll send me a couple of those pics. That would be pretty cool. But definitely looks like a quality west sail in pretty darn good shape and uh yeah if you ever want to cruise oceans hey you can't go wrong right there exactly so very very cool but it was just nice to i don't know it's nice to have somebody talk about um the fact that this this show kind of inspired them and was kind of infectious as far as them saying, you know, let's let's do this. We got this opportunity. Let's take it. Let's grab a West Sail and let's go and and see see where the horizon takes us. So I just think that's really cool. And to sort of have that relayed to me via email, I think is is really what makes this show super special. And it you know put a huge smile on my face, and I can't wait to. Uh, to see if we ever like sort of bump into each other that would be so hilarious definitely do a podcast obviously but other than that it's just really cool i think it's um it it pulls at the old heartstrings so it definitely makes me want to just keep on keeping on as far as doing the show grabbing people rambling on trying to come up with fun topics interesting topics as well but you know, so shout out to you know who you are uh, for sending me that email. Cheers. Mm. It's the end of the day. It's sundowner time, and tomorrow I'm hitting the road. I'm headed down to Fort Pierce, Florida, and I'm gonna hop on another West Sail 32. I hope Lady Sparrow doesn't get a little jealous. But I have been tasked with uh, helping a couple get into uh, a little bit better, more experienced mode when it comes to this West Sail that they just purchased. They did one big passage on it and um, weren't able to gain sort of the experience that they were looking for. And so they reached out to me and our schedules matched up just right. I've got next week. This boat's already ready to go. So uh, it's not too much more than I could do up here. And it allows me a little quick weekend to go and see the folks afterwards before I head back up to Michigan. But I'm really looking forward to it. It's a pretty sweet gig. I get to stay on another West Sail. And then every day we're going to go out and we're going to grind. And we're going to, uh, I hope they know what they're in for. Because uh, <laughs> even though we have, say, four and a half or five days, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to put them through it because... 
essentially my my thinking on on the whole experience thing and learning when it comes to bigger boats and stuff like that you know as opposed to small boats small boats say i can like wear you down you know you're capsizing um it's sort of a whole different thing you teach people how to sail a laser or a small boat or a hobie cat you know you're gonna do little sections but with the west sail or any larger boat you know you go out for the day so we're going to do lots of docking. We're going to do lots of maneuvering. We're going to pretty much try and, and uh, make it so that they feel 100% confident in heading out and getting into some stuff and making some mistakes and learning from them just like I did. I mean, you know, when I think about sort of learning how to sail this boat back in the day, you know, picture me living on the boat, Riviera Beach in Florida, and uh, our Riviera Beach Marina, I think it was, outside of Jupiter, Florida, or near West Palm Beach. Either way, I was on the boat for about a month, and then my dad came down. He joined me. My brother, he came down. He joined me for just a little bit, and then when the old man came down, we just set sail, and we took off to the BVI, you know, the engine broke. We didn't have the sat phone set up correctly. The, uh, electrical wasn't working all that well. There were a lot of problems. Uh, and we spent 14 days out there trying to get down to the BVI. It should have only taken about eight days, but you know, without the engine, whenever we were becalmed, we just sat there. Uh, in any event, you know, we just sort of threw ourselves out. Now I had plenty of experience doing yacht deliveries and things like that on other boats, but I'd never sailed an old school double ender, heavy displacement sort of boat. And then, you know, after that trip, there were a couple small little day sails in the BVI. But pretty much about a month after I got there, I just took off and did a, a three or four day passage down to Dominica. And yeah, I mean, I've made every single mistake in the book that you could possibly make. And I've learned from at least like 60% of them. <laughs> I've repeated the other 40% until I finally learned. Uh, and I'm sure there's some that I still constantly make. But in any event, it's I've always found that it's not letting the fear of making those mistakes sort of keep you from at least getting out there and trying and pushing. And, you know, that's that's the sort of stuff you can have. You could have like a trip out to, say, Bermuda where the winds are perfect and it's nice and it's easy and you don't have to do too much and you don't get challenged all much. And you might make that voyage and think like, wow, that was, that was great. You know, that'll give you the confidence to be at least out there. But in reality, if you're not facing any big challenges and things like that, you're not really coming out of it with a huge amount of new knowledge. And that's one of the aspects of sailing that I've always loved is that even even now, after 20-some years of sailing, I am learning every single time I go out. I learn some new little thing here and there. I'm, I don't think I'll ever consider myself like an expert till the day I die. And that's just because there's so much always to learn. And I think that's great. You know, when, when you get, or at least me, when I get to a point where I'm kind of like, okay, we got this wrapped up. This is pretty good. I, I got a... Um, there's not a whole lot of mystery left in whatever this endeavor is. Uh, that's typically when I'm sort of like starting to yawn and I'm looking around for something else to do. And with sailing, I haven't really found that yet. I mean, 
there have been times for sure when I'm out there and squalls roll in and all that sort of stuff. And I'm just like, Ugh, here we go again, another squall. And you get into this sort of robotic motion. All right, I will go reef, reef done, go to cockpit, drop, stay still, stay still down. Rain comes and then you just reverse everything essentially. But I don't know. Every squall is a little bit different. Depends on what you're trying to do. And if you, if you, you can allow yourself, I think, to get complacent and bored with certain things. And, you know, other times it depends on what sort of enthusiasm you're going to bring to the table. Um, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, geez. It's been a stressful week. Stressful. But in any event, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting down there, hopping on somebody else's boat. Because my buddy Scott and I, we were able to get out on his West Sail in Beaufort, South Carolina, and that was phenomenal. It was so much fun. Finally, after all this time, we finally got out there. And it was super light wind, but we had to motor around. We did docking. We picked up mooring buoys. We sailed. And it was just a blast. It's always nice to see that glint in the eye of uh, the student or the the person you're sort of... the going with and just see see that smile sort of creep in and that little oh, that little glint it's always pretty cool i've seen it a million times because i've taught sailing for years and years i mean first in michigan every summer for 10 years or whatever and then down in the british virgin islands which is sailing mecca paradise you couldn't ask for anything better small boats in the north sound big boats in sir francis drake oh man it is just phenomenal shout out to horizon yacht charters best in the business if you're down there see giles he'll take care of you <laughs> mm. oh but yeah um i don't know i love teaching and it's been a long time since i've really taught uh for like a sailing school and that's what i'm gonna be doing this summer uh we're we're gonna be up there in michigan working for a pretty wild and busy little place got tons and tons of craft lots of sailboats uh up to 24 feet i think and then hobie cats dinghies paddleboards canoes kayaks windsurfers all that sort of stuff we're gonna hopefully revamp the program a little bit bring it up to snuff into the 2020 2023 uh world and uh you know i think with some programs a little bit of a shakeup is always a good thing. And if there was ever a better time to do something like that, it would be now. Uh, you know, post-COVID and all that sort of stuff, I think everybody's, most places had to shut down for one, possibly two years during that whole thing. So, you know, you come back into it, well, let's 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 uh, let's try some new stuff. Let's see what works and uh, see what uh, innovations we can go for. So I'm looking forward to that and uh, hopefully be working with a really good team of people up there. And I don't know, it's kind of funny, you know, you go back to your old haunt in a way. and I had I had sort of helped out here and there over the years, but my last full summer up there was 2013. Before that, it was 2007, I believe, um, and then the previous, like, eight years from then on. But uh, I don't know. At one point, like, you know, you sort of feel like you own the place as far as, you know, the direction of it and what you see and what you envision as sort of the correct path. But 
that was back when I knew I'd be back the next year and the next year and the next year. And now this is more of kind of throws in a little dynamic of, well, it's not really mine because it's probably just a one summer deal, but uh, I want to be able to help out as much as possible, but I got to feel out exactly what the rest of the staff and obviously what the guests at this place are sort of looking for. So it'll be kind of interesting. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, I think it will be pretty fun and yeah, hopefully it will be successful and I'll be able to, I'm going to be able to do the presentation every single week in front of a live audience to sort of tune it up and work it out. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting because when you do these public speaking things, um, it's, I, it's not like a comedy show because obviously it's not like based around making people laugh, but at the same time, it's a production where you, I mean, you sort of have these bits, you got video clips and then you've got little story chunks and then another video clip and da da da. And it goes on. So in some respect, there are, there are a lot of similarities I would think between somebody who gets up there. Cause you know, a, a good comedian's got their, their set. They have, they know what they're going to go up there and say, and they, they might have to change and, you know, I think you always have to be ready to manipulate what you're going to say and have like a plan A, plan B, depending on what the audience is sort of giving back to you as far as how they're receiving things. But regardless, it's, I don't know, you you, you listen to some of these other podcasts, Bill Burr and, and Tim Dillon and all these guys, Joe Rogan, obviously, uh, that they have lots of comedians on and they talk about their craft all the time and there's there's a lot of relatable things uh that i find about how i feel when i go up there and what i'm trying to do and all that sort of stuff i mean obviously they have to be a bit more creative because i'm actually telling a tale that that sort of happened and i don't know there's like a little bit more i don't want to say it's cut and dry but essentially I've got this experience that I'm trying to share with them. I'm also trying to make it as entertaining as possible. So I'm trying to make it a little scary, a little suspenseful, some funny parts, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and you know, wrap it all up in, you know, an hour and then do some Q&A sort of thing. And I don't know, I think that would be, that would kind of be the interesting thing if you ever saw, if you ever had a comedian go up there and, do like a 45 minute set and then do Q and a from the audience. I mean, I know that there's a lot of people that do crowd work and stuff like that. So, eh, I don't know. Kind of interesting, but I'm excited. It's been a long time since I did any sort of public speaking and I hope I still got it. <laughs> it was going so well back at the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020. Uh, I was doing them all the time, but whatever, hopefully it will, hopefully this new one will sort of, be even more interesting and then obviously i'll always have the old school one but i'll let people know when, when as soon as i know that this thing is good and it's it's got potential and everything i'll i'll let i'll let my listeners know and uh let let everybody know that i am open to offers for yacht clubs for i love doing assisted living uh communities they're phenomenal audiences they're that that generation gets it, man. They understand the sense of adventure for sure. Those are some of my favorite audiences. And, uh, you know, schools and stuff like that. I don't really do the high schools, though. 
Just because, uh, yeah, I mean, you get it, high schoolers. I do grade schools. I love going to grade schools because little kids definitely love all the stories about the whales and the dolphins and all that sort of stuff. And then colleges are, are really fun as well, uh, whether it's the students or it's, you know, like fundraising event or something like that. But I don't know, this this new presentation, I'm, I want to have like two gears for it. I want to have first gear, which is just this crazy story with great clips and video footage and sort of the narration through the whole thing. And then two is the corporate sort of takeaway, like this is how you deal with crisis management. This is triage. And these were the things that I found were most important, blah, blah, blah. And there are a few, as I pick this whole thing apart, and especially that night of the knockdown, there are definitely some choices that I made where when I look at it from the outside, I'm kind of like, huh, I wonder why I did that. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So that actually does make sense. Uh, you know, for instance, I'll just give you one example because I don't want to spoil anything, but you know, this boat, boat gets flipped over and a whole bunch of stuff is broken. Right. And at that moment, when I finally get up there and I'm able to see, you know, what's going on just to do this quick, quick check to see, you know, visually what, what is left, you know, uh, essentially one of the first things that I decided to take care of was to go ahead and make sure that the tiller and Mongo were still connected. And the reason for that was that if we were out of control in that storm and we just decided, you know, Mongo's no longer steering the boat. So the boat just started to round up into the wind. Then all of a sudden the boat is, it's completely changed its motion. It's really susceptible. It would have been beam onto the seas, the prevailing seas, not the rogue one. But um, without that first step, then all of a sudden the whole program is out of whack and now in even more danger of catastrophic consequences. And I guess when you think about it, you'd be like, well, the first thing I do is like check the bilge and make sure there's no water coming or, um, you know, cut free the stuff that's dangling behind the boat. And I don't know, in, in that instance, with not a whole lot of time to think about things and pretty much in a situation where you only have to react, I chose to make sure that the boat was at least still on course according to the wind and the waves so that at least I didn't have to worry about that and we could just keep going and then work down the line. So it's, I don't know, it's, I, I don't want to get too much into it, but that's, that's essentially some of the stuff that I want to have as sort of like what they would call takeaway information. So that when you sit down with a bunch of people who are either part of a corporation or a company, or you're sitting down with a whole bunch of people that own companies and corporations, then you know, you can give them viable information that is entertaining and also very relatable and, you know, can switch from my sailing experience to what they do in their business, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Who, who knows? It's going to be interesting. I think of it as a good opportunity, so I just got to really work hard on it and make sure everything is dialed in and tuned up and, and hopefully... You know, within 
Uh, by like the end of June, I can get some some people to bite <laughs> so that I could set up a bit of a road trip out to the East Coast. I know I'm probably going to end up going out to Arizona. Um, I've reached out to a couple of people already that were pretty super excited about it. So um, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. But the cool part is that if I can if I can do enough of these, one, I can continue doing the podcast with some very interesting people in person all around the country. Uh, but two, I, I could have enough money to purchase some sales and uh, and head off either on a voyage or for a season down in the Caribbean or who knows, you know, the world again, the winter world would be my oyster, which would be pretty cool. No pressure, no craziness. Uh, I do need to get out there and actually sort of not have the confinement of of obligations that i had on just this last little teaser voyage that i was trying to do um i'm really i i've i i've come to the realization that i definitely am an open-ended sailor if i'm setting sail i don't want to have anything on the books for at least a year that way (laughs) i got all the time in the world uh but let's talk about sparrow we are more ripped apart and broken down in a good way than I have seen this boat since I first had it on the dock down in Jupiter, Florida. I mean, it is literally boom is off. There's nothing on deck. Um, the only, only questionable aspect of, of what I have on here is the one solar panel that I've left on. And I kind of want it there to be able to keep the batteries charged and all that sort of stuff. It feels super crazy solid. Um, mm. But, you know, you think about yourself. Okay, you're, you're, you're here in Hatteras and you get a hurricane. Will that be able to sustain through a hurricane? Oof, I don't know. Just, just saying that right now makes me want to go unscrew it and... Uh, Ah, put it down below. Or at least, eh, it's really not, I don't know though, it feels so secure. Like, it's way more solid than the old one. I don't know if I just did a better job or the fact that there's only one solar panel there. But in any event, uh, the rest of the boat is just completely clear of all clutter, all things. I mean, even the life raft is down below, which is a bit of overkill, but hey, you know. Why not? Why not? So we're going to be locked up pretty pretty well and tight. And uh, like I said, yeah, it is pretty funny to, to see how fast that happens. You know, one day you just sort of kick it into gear and you start start packing things down. And, and the four-peak is all of a sudden full and there's all the sails are flaked. And you walk on deck and it's just, it's like naked. It's crazy. I put some pictures up on the Instagram page and <laughs> it definitely looks pretty funny. Um down below is pretty decent, at least in the main cabin and everything. It's it's decently clean. I you know I used to go overboard and try and clean everything and you know make it all spiffy with this completely uh, ridiculous idea that when I would get back it would still be clean. But it's never. It's never. You you open this place up after four months and uh, it smells like the bilge, and it's stale like a a bag of ten year old graham crackers. And usually it's covered with a bit of mold. That will be kind of interesting. I'm going to blot every last bit of moisture out of the bilge, which there's only usually about a cup or two worth. But I'm going to get all that out and 
There really aren't any leaks going on, so it's going to be hot, and hopefully it's not going to be moist down below. And if I can just keep those two things going, then I shouldn't get any mold. Um, but regardless, who knows? I may try and dig out. I made a big mistake when I, I started packing all the sails and getting everything up in that four peak. And then I was like, ozone machine. Uh, and it's just so buried up there. It's so buried. But I really would like to. I, I've learned my lesson, you know, the last time. I think the guys left the ozone machine. I told them to, you know, pull the plug after a day, but I think they let it run for three days. And like the handles to the pots and pans were all melty. The the one photo painting that doesn't have, you know, glass over the front is all faded. Uh, ozone can do some damage, and I know it can do damage to engine gaskets and things like that. So it's it's definitely a little unsafe. But I would think that I could. You know, if I took off uh, on Saturday, I could probably have my one of the guys here at the yard unplug me that night. So it gets, say, six or eight hours of ozone juicing in here just to kill off any little bit of mold. And, you know, we'll see. I'm going to I'll probably end up taking it out. I probably will. You know, I get something in my head and then I want to do it. So, you know, but other than that, yeah, it's just it's going to be all stripped down, closed up. Got the shades in the windows so the sun doesn't beam in here and, you know, melt stuff. I've had that happen where I left some charts on the table one time. And there was like a smaller chart book covering half of one of these, you know, world charts. And everything under that book stayed good. And everything exposed just faded almost to the point where you can't really use it. Pretty interesting how... how how abrasive and corrosive the just UV can be. Hmm. But yeah, so I don't know. That's about it really when it comes to Sparrow. Um, like I said, we're just all packed up and just clean everything sort of and try and do some laundry. I did one load today and I'll probably try and do the bedding and stuff like that. Although again, it's one of those things where you do the bedding, and then you get back in four months, and all the bedding smells stale and gross, and you wouldn't want to sleep in it anyway, so you got to wash it again. So it's kind of like, well, why would you do that? <sighs> dilemmas, I tell you. Dilemmas. But enough about that. Uh, I guess just technical in info, I suppose, but I'm going to turn all of the gas bottles off. The fuel tanks are pretty much topped up. The valves are closed. I'm going to go around after I finish this podcast and shove wadded up pieces of blue tape into all of the through hulls except for the scuppers that drain the cockpit. And the reason being for that is you just don't want, um, you know, essentially you just don't want a hive of, of bees or wasps or any sort of insect uh, taking up space inside of there and making some crazy hive or something like that. So I've done that in the past and it seems to have worked. I've never really heard of that actually, or I've never witnessed it happening. I mean, I've a lot of times if you leave your sails flaked for a long, long time uh, and, you know, months and months and months or a whole winter season or something like that, you go and raise a sail, you might have a wasp nest in there. But I don't know, you get these holes 
in the side of your boat. So and it's easy enough just to go. You just wad up a little ball and you stick it in there, and that way at least they can't get in there. But um, yeah. Other than that, there really isn't a, a whole lot else to do. Just try and get all that moisture. Uh, but gas bottles are off. Relaxed the rigging, so you just ease off on it a little. You keep it so that it's you know it's tight. Mass isn't gonna fall over, but you don't need all that crazy pressure on there. So you just re- relax that, ease it. Um, uh, what else? That was pretty much it. Um, no, I got I got a whole list here. Let me let me get into it. That way you guys can know exactly what happened. Uh, I like to remove all the tape from all the turnbuckles and all that sort of stuff. That way you get a good inspection. Plus, and it sort of makes it so you have to replace it in the fall. Uh, Topped off the fuel, flushed the fresh water tanks out, and then filled them up to the very brim. No oxygen in there that should. And usually in the past, I typically end up pouring it all out when I get back after months and months. But... It seems to prevent uh, algae growth, sort of stuff. Um, I, you know, I found though a lot of times it really depends on how much chlorine is in the water uh, wherever you are. Because I know some places I've been, you can literally smell it. At other places, it it's sort of, you know, it's like well water or something like that. Uh, remove the boom, stow all my lines. Yes, all lines and halyards in the boat. Um, I run little tracer lines up for for the staysail jib and main halyard. So those are up the mast, but that's, you know, teeny, teeny little stuff. But the actual halyards, I want those down below because there's no sense in letting the sun bake them alive for the next four or five months. Do-do-do, I was supposed to sand the prop. I didn't. Didn't replace the zinc either, but... That's because I don't have one. Um, waxed the hull spots where there was big, big, ugly stains from the straps. I uh, removed the dodger, removed the spare solar, tossed the old sails. No, I didn't do that because I want to salvage them. Flaked all the rest of them. Get rid of any fresh food. Pay the yard. I did that today. Uh, and that's it. And holy cow, I I do have to say, this yard is awesome. This yard is really something. uh, It's just, it's, I don't know, it's just nice. Um, They've got just great facilities. The people here are nice. It's like a family-run place. Um, And they're very reasonable when it comes to the cost and everything. And just easygoing, nice, not a super loud, crazy yard or anything like that. I mean... Like I've said before, my heart will always belong to Knight Marine up there in Rockland, Maine, biggest little boatyard in Maine. But this boatyard is is just been uh it's been way above my expectations. Uh it's just just fantastic. So if you're if you're in this area and you're looking for a place to haul out, call them up, TJ's Boatyard and Marina, because they they definitely they've got a little bit of room, not a whole lot. It seems to be like they're filling up. Which is weird. I don't really understand what the season is down here, so to speak. It sort of seems, you know, up in Maine, obviously it's different because the season is June until uh, September, and that's it. And you've got this little window, so everybody's rushing to the same. But, I mean, down here, I guess it's – you would think people are hauling out in during hurricane season, I guess. I don't. I don't really – yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but 
Oh, look at that. I get a text message that says, uh, the male on Lake Grove has a jury duty questionnaire. Hmm. Thanks, Ma. <laughs> jury duty. I've never done jury duty before. Uh, I've never had that in my life. I think there was one point where they're trying to get me to do it, but it was while I was working in the British Virgin Islands. And, you know, logistically, that's a little complicated when you're a resident of another country and they're trying to get you to come back and do all that. But luckily, all I had to do is come back and explain when the next time I was actually off work for the end of the season. Ah, totally interrupted. I'll tell you, I got to just turn that phone off. That way I can't even see it when some message comes in. Ah, other than that, stress. I did want to, I did want to end on stress. I don't know why, and I don't know what for a reason, but things just seem to be stressing me out lately. And, I don't know what this is. I don't know where it's coming from. Uh, I had to rent a car. I was all stressed about that. I came to like the insurance and all that sort of stuff, and then trying to get a cab to come pick me up. I don't. I just don't. I don't understand uh, where this sort of anxiety. Not anxiety, really, because I know anxiety can be like crippling, where it, it prevents you from doing things. And I, I just sort of keep bowling through all this sort of stuff, but there's like a level of stress that's underlying in there. And I'm, I'm hoping that it's going to sort of dissipate, but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of annoying though, because it, it, in, in my experience, it, it causes me to pause for just a second and think like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, should I, Ooh, what if, what if, what if, and, and then I'm kind of like, oh, screw this. And I just go for it. But I don't know. I feel like uh, the world was far more nonchalant in the past. And for whatever reason, stress levels are up. So I'm trying to combat that. I think actually now just, just playing it over in my head, I think it's just the fact that I haven't been able to exercise like I normally do for uh, since essentially like mid-February or something uh, because of this back pain and the sciatic nerve and all that sort of stuff. And I'm, I'm just trying my best to stretch it and make it feel better and not aggravate it because I know pretty soon we're going to get to this job. And if I'm in pain all the time, I'm going to have to get on some sort of stronger painkillers so that I can still do the job. Uh, I'm hoping that it won't end up with me needing to get some sort of back surgery. Like if one of my discs is, is completely dissolved or something like that, I'm hoping it's just a herniated disc or a bulging disc. And for whatever reason, I'm, I, I was sort of tracing it out in the past to where it all, I guess, I think it started. And honestly, I think it was the knockdown actually. Not so much the knockdown, but the very next day, uh, because the Lee board was broken and all this sort of stuff, I was in my bunk, I was dead asleep, and I got tossed out of my bunk straight under the cabin sole with a pretty big thump. And that would have been in uh, that would have been late November, and then by December, my back already started to kind of hurt, and then it just escalated, escalated, and the peak of it was probably about a month or so ago. 
and things have gotten a little bit better as the stretching and all that sort of stuff. I've sort of figured out what works and what doesn't and just stick with the stuff that works. Uh, but it's incredibly frustrating when, you know, all you want to do is get up in the morning, go for like a couple mile jog. Uh, you want to do your normal routine and you can't because your back is killing you. And I mean, I know I'm getting older. The body's going to start crumbling no matter what, but this, this like seemingly came out of kind of nowhere and, uh, just, it's, it's a real pain. Uh, I've never felt, I, I feel so out of shape because I can't do my normal stuff. And even just like walking around, I'm still having trouble just standing up straight. But walking around has gotten a little bit better. But, you know, I used to run. I used to run like the wind. <laughs> and I haven't been able to do that in so long. And I don't know. I've always been one of those people that really relied on exercise to be able to keep uh, sort of the mental positivity going as well as just, uh, I don't know, just everything. Everything always felt better when I could go and, and just get a little bit of exercise every single day. And... Just thinking about it now, this is why this podcast is kind of like therapeutic for me because it allows me to sort of talk through some things. And I really appreciate that people uh, still somehow listen through these ramblings <laughs> to where I get to some sort of point. But, man, it uh, – yeah, that must be it. Oh, that must be it. <sighs> I, You know, and I am tempted, and I know I'm not going to do it, or I hope I don't do it, but I was tempted. I was tempted the other day just to get up and just go for a run because I know – when the back started to hurt initially, I would go for a run, and yeah, it would hurt a little bit in the beginning, but then it sort of whoo, soothed out, and then it didn't hurt at all for like sort of the rest of the day. <sighs> I kind of feel like trying that, but boy, I you know I just I'm like stubborn, and all I want to you know sometimes we do these stretches, and they say only take it to the point where it starts to hurt, and I just want to rage past that. I'm like almost, I'm under sort of that impression that if I just twist hard enough, it's going to, uh, like my, my back's going to like pop. And then all of a sudden it's going to be one of those moments of like, oh, oh my God, it feels great. Oh, it doesn't hurt at all anymore. You know, like you see in TV shows or whatever, but I'm, I'm a little wiser than that in my old years, uh, my old years. So hopefully I don't do something stupid and exacerbate it, but. I'll tell you, man, I get up there to Michigan and start this job. I'm going to need a golf cart if, uh, <laughs> if, I, if it doesn't get any better. I haven't broken the news yet because uh, I thought for sure everything would, you know, mend itself eventually. But <sighs> who knows? Who knows? But, yeah, I don't know. So, I, yeah, yeah, that's got to be why the stress levels are up. That has to be because I'm not getting my little boost of endorphins. I'm not getting my thing and I don't know. Such a pain. I tell you, we all we all always like to say that health is like one of our top priorities. In reality, you know, when I get back from these voyages and I eat like crap and I drink too much and I don't exercise for like usually a month or so, I'm doing myself no favors. Maybe I can get away with it in my 30s, but I can't do that anymore. It's just, it's, you know, because if you, if you let, it's such a slippery slope. If you let it get to that point, there's like a, a point in no return. And I had, you know, once you get in your mid forties, I mean, that's you know, we're we're talking like heart attack and we're talking all sorts of things can go wrong. And you just you fall off that cliff and it's it's like there is a point where it's like impossible to get back, I guess. Uh, but 
right now the only thing I can do to combat it is is try and eat healthy and do like you know I do like intermittent fasting and stuff like that. But hmm. we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, I'll bet that's it. I'll bet that is it. Case in point, though, I try not to let it get me down. Even when I am stressed out, uh, you know, if I'm sitting there staring at my phone because I need to call somebody and and talk to somebody about something, I'm kind of like stressing about it. You know what I do? I just put those earbuds in and I just press call. And then then you're committed. <laughs> you just have to do it. Uh, I I won't. I I refuse to let it trap me. And so I just push through it and. You know, the funny thing is about stress, you, you, like, say you stress about somebody you got to talk to on the phone. Well, guess what? The minute you start talking, typically you get this little spike of adrenaline, and then you're like, oh, I don't even know why I was stressed because it's actually cool. And then it's all good. So who knows? Who knows? Well, tomorrow I am off and running. I am on the road. The boat will be safe and sound here. I am hopefully going to swing by and see Captain Phil on sailing vessel Ness. He's out of the hospital. He is feeling good. He sounded great on the phone. I'm just going to have a quick visit with him. After time, I don't know. I might try and whip out the microphones, but I have a feeling I just got to keep on blazing through because then I got to go visit another friend of the show, Josh Drake. Down there in Charleston, old, old-time friend, photographer, and all that sort of stuff. And I did a podcast with him way back in the day. And uh, and then after that, keep on chugging away. Hit a hotel, and then down to Fort Pierce, and then start work on Monday. It's going to be a great week. Hopefully, I'll get some cool uh, shots, maybe some video. I don't know. We'll have to see how much privacy these people want in their lives. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be really interesting, but the plan, and I got to talk to, uh, the people that hired me, but I would really like to sit down with them and have a quick podcast before we start the week. And then as a wrap up and just get their take on how things went, what, what worked, what didn't pretty much just see where they're at and see their progression and all that sort of stuff. Cause I think that might be a kind of interesting show. Other than that, thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. I hope everybody is gearing up to have a great summer. It's going to be a fantastic one. And, uh, other than that, if you're a sailor, sail safe. And if you don't sail, get out there. <laughs>